Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. Well, good morning, y'all. How are you? Doing well? Would you stand with me as we read God's Word together? Today we're um, in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 9. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this community. God, we thank you for the gift of the church. God, we thank you that you sent us the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us into all truth. And so, Father, we just give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Come on, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, you can have a seat. Um, well, welcome to church. Is everybody doing well? Y'all haven't been praying enough. This is a confrontation. This is what this morning is going to be about the heat. I'm sick of it. That's it. That's all I've got to say about it. I, I caught myself. I had such a bad attitude earlier this week. I went outside and I was just mad, like angry uh, at the weather. But praise be to God. Amen. Uh, hey, we got a few things coming before we get into it. A few things coming I want you to know about. Number one, uh, we've got team night coming up tonight. Uh, if, if you're a part of any of our teams, you serve anywhere in our church, or you'd like to serve in our church, uh, we've got a night tonight that is for you. Uh, we're going to come up, and we're going to take some time. We're going to worship. We're going to seek God together, and uh, it's, it's going to be a good time. So that's me tonight at 6.30, and then tomorrow uh, we have Connect class, or not tomorrow, sorry, Next Sunday, next Sunday, uh, we have Connect class. So if you're looking to become a member of the church, maybe you've been coming uh, throughout the summer or you know this past six months, and if you've never gone through our Connect class, it's really our membership class. We can hear about our history, our belief, our values, and as I always say, you can get your questions answered, okay? Um, so we've been journeying together uh, since the week after Easter. We've been going through the book of Colossians line by line, and uh, we've only got two weeks left. We're almost to the end of it. And uh, this week, we're going to be jumping into what does it mean to be the church? Uh, the church is a complicated thing these days. 
People have different perspectives, different views. People have been through lots of different things within the church. And a lot of times if you ask people what is a Christian, their answer would be a hypocrite, uh, somebody who's judgmental, somebody I don't want to be around. Uh, but I believe that God ha has a totally alternative vision for what it means to be a Christian, for what it means to be the church. And so we're going to look at this this morning today. And a question we're asking is, what is God's vision for his renewed people? Uh, what is God's vision for the church? We're to be full of not hypocrisy and judgmentalism. We're to be full of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness and above all, love, all underneath the lordship and the leadership of Jesus. These actions are actually actions of moral goodness, uh, which we're going to talk a lot about this this morning, moral goodness, uh, and, and where, where that comes from, these actions, it flows out of people who are secure in their identities. So just now we were singing that song. It's the perfect song for this weekend, talking about belonging to Jesus. Like no matter what comes, you know, when the, wind when the winds come or the floods come, like I belong to Jesus. That's a statement of identity. And it's saying regardless of what happens to me, I'm going to respond based on that identity. Does that make sense? So we're going to do a little bit of philosophical work uh, this morning. So buckle up. Um, hopefully we, we can uh, mine into this and find some good things. So the big question is if goodness flows from identity, if action flows from identity, how is identity formed? That's an important question, right? What's our culture's view of a secure identity? And then uh, how is Jesus seeking to reform our identity? Are you all with me? So what's the cultural view of a secure identity? And how is Jesus seeking to reform our identities? This is what we're looking at this morning. And so for a quick review over the last few weeks, uh, two weeks ago, Marius brought a word um, about freedom and how we find freedom not by some special revelation, but by a relationship with Jesus, coming under the lordship of Jesus. Amen. Last week, we talked about how because we've received that love, we've received that freedom, we're to practically put off the old ways of life, right? These ways of life that bring about death. It actually says that we should bring death to these things. I, I love that. Bring death to the things that are killing us. And we talked about reality and, and defined it real quick because this is going to help us for this week. Uh, we pulled from a book called Live No Lies and we defined truth as that which corresponds to reality. Now, if you've ever had a friend who's going through life, have you ever said about somebody, they're not living in reality, right? Anybody? No, but y'all have never said that. You've never had a friend. That's never been you. What that means is that you're believing destructive lies uh, and you need to come to find what's truth, okay? You gotta recalibrate to what's real. And so Jesus invites us into that. Um, we talked about spiritual practices and those things. I'm gonna skip that quote for time. Uh, this week, though, we're gonna to come to the counterweight. So last week was all about how do we put away negative things. This week is gonna be about how do we put on the positive things, okay? So last week, Paul was teaching us how to put away the negative things, uh, sexual immorality, greed, lying, anger, hate. Uh, and now we're to put on these life-giving positive things, okay? But here's the issue. There are philosophies and beliefs and foundations for identity that keep us from living in this life-giving nature. Tim Keller said it this, this way in a lecture he did on identity. He said this. He said, most Christians are affected by, he's talking about a modern, uh, postmodern worldview. Most Christians are affected by this worldview in a very deep way, and they do not know it. They subscribe to the doctrines. They believe the Bible, yet they're 
operating out of a cultural narrative of identity that late modern cultures give. And it's one of the reasons that we do not change. It's one of the reasons that we often embrace the Christian faith, but we don't change because we're actually more conformed to our world's understanding of identity than the Christian understanding of identity. So this week, we're going to be looking at God's vision, not just for what we shouldn't do, but what we should do. And we're going to be talking about how do you get there? All right. Are you still with me? Okay, good. Uh, We're going to be spending a lot of time looking at identity and asking the question, how do we live out the freedom that God's given us, both individually and as a collective? Okay, I got a thesis for you. It's this. This is what I'm going to be presenting and arguing. It says this. It says, uh, God has distinct characteristics he wants to develop in the life of each believer, and he also wants to develop those characteristics in his people, the church. So the sermon title, if you're taking notes, is Life in the Church, and recommended reading. I've been taking the men through this. Uh, It's a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction by a guy named Eugene Peterson, and it's phenomenal, and I highly recommend it. So check that out, all right? Um, Okay, let's jump in. Um, Christian subculture has had some moments, hasn't it? Some fashion moments, you know what I'm talking about? I remember the time I was bowling in Pounders, I was actually your buddy. Uh, I was wearing like one of those long white t-shirts that like, and if you're wearing one of those, it's totally cool, it's fine. I'm making fun of myself, not you. Um, it did not work for me. And uh, it was one of those times where it was like, I, I didn't have a lot of clean clothes left. I knew it didn't look great on me, all right? So I'm wearing it. And uh, at some point, P- Pounders was like, uh, oh yeah, Brunson's a pastor. The guy goes, I knew you were a youth pastor. And I was like, I'm a young adults pastor, you jerk, all right? <laughs> Uh, deep V's, all right? I, I went headlong into that. Uh, V-neck t-shirts that were like down to your sternum. Okay, I did that. Skinny jeans, what's up? Uh, millennials, where are you at? We're still rocking those, all right? Uh, uh, biker leather jackets, all right? Still cool, all right? But they had a moment in church where it's like that was the uniform. You had to have it on. Uh, I remember one time we launched the church. I had a buddy who said he was like, I can't come to the downtown church. I don't wear enough leather. All right. Um, Hats. All right. Now, again, before you show this photo, don't throw it up there. I kind of love that hat culture came back for a bit, like fine gentlemen's hats. And it kind of made me feel like the 50s, you know, where men wore suits and hats. And so I went for it. I got a photo here. (laughs) Not a hat guy. All right. I tried. So I, get, I bought two hats. I went for it. I gave them away to other guys. They look way better on them. They're still wearing them. Uh, but but here, here's the reality. We're all shaped by the culture we're in, right? Uh, we're shaped by the people around. You've heard the truisms like you're the sum total of your five closest friends, all those sorts of things. And, and fashion is a small part of cultural formation. Uh, where you live often determines how you dress, okay? Uh, but the bigger part is what the culture teaches us to believe about ourselves and about the world we live in, right? None of us are born into neutral space. We're all being formed. The things that we're consuming, our movies we watch, the ads we see, the apps we use, uh, the collective philosophies of our world form us, whether we realize it or not. And the the big question that, that we have to ask is, what makes a person a true self? Like, what makes a person an authentic self? And our world has a vision of this. And here's what I'd like to admit, or I'd like to submit. A person becomes their truest, 
most secure, authentic self in a relationship with Jesus. Now, I, I'm putting that in the lens of a modern view of uh, the self, basically. And so we're, we're going to dig in. We're going to look at traditional view of the self, modern view of the self, and a biblical view of the self, okay? Uh, and what Paul's teaching us here is that we have a cultural identity, and Christ offers us a better identity on the path to truth. He's saying, in Christ Jesus, we've been made into new persons, but also a new people. We're new persons who now identify as Christians, but we're now a new people, the holy church of Jesus. And this will form our vision of ourselves and the world around us. So what does it all mean? Nobody knows what it means, but it's provocative. Nobody was gonna bite. I love that, uh, that joke now. They're like, thank God for memes, because men don't just have to sit around and quote Anchorman to each other all the time. Have you all seen that? All right, let's dig into it. Point number one, the church is a renewed people. Everyone say renewed. So we are a renewed people. Colossians 3, 9 through 11 says this. It says, do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you have put on the what? The new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Jew or Gentile or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Okay, Paul is throwing haymaker after haymaker after haymaker in this section of scripture, all right? This is just a, another wild statement from the man, all right? Last week, we looked at a different one. Just wild. Catch what he's saying in verse 11. Let's read it again. There's no Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Here's what he's saying. He's saying in the church, there's no more social distinction. There's no more genealogical distinction. There's no more racial distinction. He's saying... It's just those who find themselves in Jesus. He's saying the most important thing about you is not what separates us, but what unites us. Dick Lucas in his commentary said this. He says, the new creation then is a society where the barriers that separate us from one another in this world are abolished. In that renewal, there's no longer the deep divisions of national or traditional or tribal or geographical or social or cultural that largely distinguish us from one another. Here's what Paul is saying, and this is earth-shaking. Your identity in Christ matters more than any other identity you could have. It's first, it's primary, everything. Now listen, we have other identities, right? We can't act like we don't have those identities, but here's what he's saying. They must come into subjection to the primary identity that we have in Jesus. So our national identity, listen, I love being an American, it's second. My racial identity, it's secondary. My sexual identity, it's secondary. My social identity, the class you most identify with, it's secondary. All these things, listen, all those things I just listed have to come under the rule of Christ. So what does that mean? It means that what Jesus says about you is more important than what other people say about you and more important than even what you might say about you. Christ has the authoritative and the final word. Now, this might seem offensive, but it's actually one of the most liberating truths. God, in Christ, as Ephesians said, has broken down the dividing walls of hostility between men and brought us into union together with himself as the conduit and the glue. 
This is the gospel. This is God's vision for the church. Isn't that a beautiful vision of community? If you go out and you study anthropology, they would say that the church was the first truly multiracial community that the world had ever seen. Before that, people existed in their tribes. Even in multiracial cities, they had literal walls in between the different tribes where people would stay together. But when the church came, those walls started to break down and people entered into genuine relationship, not based on their differences, but their similarity and their union in Christ. Lucas goes on, he says, Paul knew well the almost unbridgeable gulf that existed between human beings. How can slave and master find common ground? Or the uncouth Scythian from Northern Greece relate to the sophisticated freemen of Athens. We don't have any of that in our culture, do we? People from different parts of town, we view them certain ways. They can be together. Paul is convinced of the power of Christ, not to bring people together while they remain just as they were before, but to change them so that a genuine meeting of the minds and hearts is achieved. In short, this kind of Christian unity is the result of genuine spiritual revolutions of individual lives, where the old self with all its prejudices and hatreds is stripped off and the new self is put on. This is the language of regeneration, or as Paul describes it here and elsewhere, new creation. Last week, we talked a lot about coming to the truth, which we called reality, right? And putting to death or putting off these old ways, this old life, and old ways that we tried to satisfy ourselves. But here's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, put on what? Did you catch it? Put on the new self. Here is the message of the gospel, that God is inviting you out of the lies about what make a person good and fulfilled, and he's inviting us into his, his original intention for humanity. Charles Taylor said this in his book, Sources of the Self. He said, selfhood and the good, or in another way, selfhood and morality, turn out to be inextricably intertwined themes. Okay, um, let's read that again, because this is pretty loaded, and this is kind of maybe new philosophy. Selfhood and goodness, or in another way, selfhood and morality, turn out to be inextricably intertwined themes. So what does that mean? That we define ourselves, we find identity in what we believe is moral goodness. Okay, we're going to go through this, we're going to look at how it looked in history, but I want to give you this first. John Tyson and Susie Silk said this in a book called Kingdom Values. It says, God is both the source of good and the one who declares other things good. In the opening chapter of Genesis, God created the world, naming its created items, then declares different things good. It is God, look at this, it is God who gives each thing its identity and declares it good because it is fully itself the self God created it to be. Okay, what is that saying? It's saying that when you step into who God made you to be, you actually truly become the self God created you to be. Does that make sense? Here's what it's saying. These changes to your nature that we talked about last week, they're not behavioral issues, they're identity issues. These changes that we wanna make, these things that we, we've been fighting and fighting and fighting and haven't been able to change yet, the, the core of the change is not just modifying the behavior, it's a total reorientation of your view of the self 
And it's reorienting your identity about what God says about you, not what you say about you, not what the culture says about you, not what uh, the region you live in says about you, but what God says about you. He's saying, put off all those other identities and learn to put on the identity I give you as a loved son and daughter. Okay, let's like quickly, like 30 seconds to 90 seconds, let's take like a a historical view of selfhood and good and identity. Okay, for the ancients, the highest good was in honor, all right? So the highest good was in honor. So it was in laying down your life, it was in self-sacrifice, it was through being a good son or a good daughter or a good husband. And if you were those things, if culture said, hey, you're a good son, then you could feel good about yourself, right? So you had a secure selfhood that was based on your performance. Does that make sense? Okay, for modern people, our highest ethic, all right, is becoming your true self. So it's not aligning yourself to what other people say about you. It's about self-discovery and letting that work its way out, right? So at the same time, the highest sin is anybody who tells you that your true self is not your true self. Does that make sense? It's laying aside what others expect so we can become our authentic selves. Okay, let's think about this in terms of like hero narratives, all right? You guys still with me? Okay. Uh, Think about hero narratives, all right? Think about Lord of the Rings. All right, I use that all the time. Love Lord of the Rings. If you don't like Lord of the Rings, you can get out. (laughs) I'm I'm just kidding. Too far. So think about Lord of the Rings, right? What's the hero do? He lays down what he wants. He doesn't want to leave the Shire. He wants to live in the Shire, right? It's cozy there. What does he do? He leaves. He goes against what he wants to help others. And he goes through stinking like, you know, bogs and all these terrible places and deserts. And he climbs a mountain of fire. And he, he throws a ring in there and he gets his finger bitten off. There's all these terrible things that happen, right? He totally loses himself to save others. Now, this type of narrative has largely been lost in our culture. You don't see a lot of movies, all right, anymore that follow that type of thinking. It, it shifted around the 70s or 80s. Now, almost every movie is about the hero being out of place in a traditional culture. Think about Moana, right? She longed for the sea, but her people were farmers, right? And so she had to become her authentic self go out into the sea and whatever. That, that's where she became the hero. Or think about like the, the easiest one is Frozen, right? Elsa was like doing all this suppression and then eventually the magic just bursts out and then she goes and creates an ice castle and she isn't gonna be the good girl they want her to be and she what? Let's it go, let's it go, right? What's the narrative? The narrative is that truth is found within and that everything around her was suppressing her and was whatever. Okay, here's what I believe. Here's what I want to submit to you quickly. And y'all, this is like such a rough overview of all this kind of stuff. Um, I can point you to some resources. This is a big journey of understanding kind of the culture we're in, how we believe. But I believe that Christianity is the only worldview on the planet that brings both together in, in a way that actually bring about human flourishing. So within Christianity, we honor the authorities that are over us. We honor what God says about us. And in that, we actually become a true, liberated, authentic self. So what we're seeking to become, trying to figure out who God's made us to be, all those sorts of things, we find that through a relationship with Jesus. And because of that, 
we're able to go out and live a life of love and kindness and compassion. Why? Because we have a secure self that is not based on performance. All of those other philosophies are performance-oriented. Honor your parents, be a good son, perform, right? Okay, on the other side, become your authentic self. Actualize your dreams, right? Go out, make it, what does that really mean? Let's be honest, go out and make money. We would never be that honest. But so often it's like, live your dreams. What are we really wanting? A fortune, right? But here's the issue. You have all these competing desires within you. You want to go out and you want to make a fortune, but you also want to be loved. And all of a sudden when you're loved and you have kids, it competes against the time that you can spend at work and you're totally at war within yourself. Why? Because it's all a performance-oriented identity. If you get the money, then all of a sudden you start making decisions and all these things based on this broken identity. Or if you don't get it, you're a failure, right? Here's what Christianity offers. It offers an identity that's received, not achieved. It offers an identity where God says, I love you right where you're at. And there is nothing, neither height nor depth nor angels nor demons, there's nothing you could do to separate yourself from the love I have for you. And in that love, and in that secure identity, he invites you to begin to change. He invites you to begin to be real about who you are. He invites you into this process. A few years ago, a pastor named Robert Madu came in, and he gave the greatest exercise in resting in God's love I've ever heard. And it's so simple. He said, every day I wake up, I look in the mirror, I look myself in the eyes, and I say, you are loved, you are a child of God, and he is pleased with you. You are loved, you're a child of God, and he's pleased with you. Why is that important? Because for most of us, we look in the mirror and we say, if I'm skinnier today than I was yesterday, or if I feel good about how my clothes fit, or if I'm crushing it in sales and I'm climbing the ladder at work, then I'm loved, and then I'm okay. What Christianity offers is, because of what Christ has done for you, you can look yourself in the eyes every day and say, I'm, I'm loved by God. I'm his son, I'm his daughter, and he is pleased with me. And it's from that secure identity and view of the self that you can begin to change and become the person that God has made you to be. Amen? So unfortunately, that was just point number one. <laughs> point number one, we are a renewed self. Actually, I don't think that's what it was. I think it was the church is a renewed people. Point number two, the church is a chosen people. I do not have time to get through all of this, but I'm gonna give you some like basic stuff. I'm gonna point you back to some other messages. It says in verse 12, it says, therefore is God's chosen, what? Holy and dearly loved people. Clothe yourselves, and say it with me, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Notice what comes first. Before the positive affirmations comes identity. You are chosen and you are dearly loved. Now, if you go back, I did a message like a month ago on the new Exodus where we talked about how we are the new people of God. Uh, if you have you know, thoughts on that or you're curious about that more, go back to that message. I think it was called the new Exodus and the next one was called Christ the Redeemer. Um, but let me ask you a question. When's the last time you went somewhere and you just felt like you didn't fit in? Some of you are like, right now, like I'm, I'm living it. I'm, I'm right, right now, this is it. It's happening to me, you're watching it. Um, 
I went with a friend a few months back to a big city that had a big tourist party scene. And if you know me, I've never, even like in my BC days, I never was like a big like club scene guy. And he was like, you gotta come out and see this. I'm like, I have no interest, <laughs> like zero interest in going out and seeing all this craziness. He was like, no, Bronson, you need to see it. You need to think about this as like market research or whatever. And so I go out with him and y'all, I, I absolutely hate it. Like, I can't wait to leave. There's 50 year olds dancing like 15 year old teenagers. You know, it's like, this is so uncomfortable. Like, I cannot wait to get out of here. Um, and, and y'all, listen, so often, like, again, we talked about it earlier, the cultures that you're in, the cultures you put yourself in form you, right? So I want you to think about it like this. The church has a culture, right? And God is trying to form certain things within you, within this church culture. Now, the way that you get into church, I want to make this so clear. The way that you get into the family is the work of Christ and accepting the work of Christ. But then you spend a lifetime learning how to fit within that family. And y'all, there is nothing but grace in the process. Um, here's what I think kills us. We get in church and we see other people's growth and we either feel like we have to pretend we're there or we don't feel like we're safe enough to talk about where we're really at. So, something my pastor taught me years ago, he said, Bronson, there's a difference between being authentic and being transparent. You have to be authentic with everyone, all right? This is where you're, you're, you're being real, you know? Like, you go to church, we've all seen this. If you grew up in church, it's like the whole, you shake somebody's hand, and like, how you doing? They're like, blessed and highly favored. It's like, no, you're not. You know, I can see it in your eyes, you know? You don't feel like that. But transparency is totally different than authenticity. Transparency, you can be authentic with everybody. You only have to be transparent with a few people. Why? Not everyone is safe. All right? If you've been in church long enough, maybe you opened up to somebody about some stuff you maybe shouldn't have talked to them about, and they went and told everybody your business. You have to find safe places within the church where you can be honest. Because here's the truth. The more honest you are about where you're really at, the more you'll actually become the person that you want to be and that God has made you to be. We don't get free by hiding. We don't get free by pretending. We don't become more compassionate by pretending we're compassionate. We become more compassionate by sitting down with a friend and saying, listen, I have a really hard time caring about this person's problem. I need God to work in my heart. Anybody else ever felt like that? I confessed the other week, if you ask me to pray for your cat, God's working on me, right? That's not my highest error. We have a cat, all right? I wish we didn't, <laughs> you know, but... It's the truth, God's working on me. But here's what you'll find. The more honest you are, the more compassionate you'll become with people who are hurting. The more honest you are, the kinder you'll become with other people around who are struggling. The more honest you are as a person, congruent you are as a person, the more humble you'll become because you aren't lying and puffing yourself up. There are people who know who you truly are. The more honest you are, the more gentle you'll become. The more honest you are, the more patient you'll be. The more honest you are, the easier it will be to forgive. And you'll really start to love people. And so I, here's, what I, here's what I wanna challenge you with. Two things. We're gonna head towards the end. Two things. Number one, you can be honest because you have a secure identity. You are secure in Christ. All right? 
what other people say about you, all those things, the things you say about yourself, that's not the truth. God's building you into someone. And as you walk in that honesty, you'll actually become more and more the person God has called you to be. Amen? Eugene Peterson says this, says the basic conviction of a Christian is that God intends good for us and that he will get his way in us. He does not, accre- he does not treat us according to our deserts, but according to his plan. Listen to this. Notice this. He's not a police officer on patrol, watching over the universe, ready to club us if we get out of hand or put us in jail. He's a potter, working with the clay of our lives, forming and reforming until finally he's shaped a redeemed life, a vessel fit for the kingdom. Listen, we are a bunch of, as Brennan Manning put it, but just a bunch of ragamuffins. He's got a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. And I just think it's, it's such a great phrase. for who, like We're messy, we're messed up, right? Anybody not? If you think you're not, we have a counseling program. It's called Navigate. You're struggling with a bit of narcissism. We've all got issues, guys. We've all got stuff. But listen... It's not our issues that unite us, but it's the person of Christ. Number three, the church is a unified people. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since you're members of one body called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what are we unified under? Christ, not our style, not our music, not our theological emphasis, but Christ. Because we have a secure identity in Christ, we can have a secure love. This is who God's calling us to be as his people. Um, we're about to take communion together. Um, and as we do this, Callie and I went, I, I told everybody about this um, earlier. Callie and I got to go spend some time with the Anglican Church in England. And we did communion with them. And one of the things that struck us is just how powerful it is to recognize that we're taking communion with saints all across the world in all different types of churches, unified under the person of Christ. And so what I want us to do is I want us to take some time and reflect before we do communion. And I want you to reflect on where you're really at. Like, number one, I want you to think about this. Where are you really finding your security right now? Okay, a, a, a way to ask it. Where, what's the one thing that if you lost it, you wouldn't be okay? What's the one thing if you weren't achieving or whatever that you wouldn't be okay? So number one, Let's take some time to look at identity. I'm going to lead us into prayer. We're going to take a moment and reflect here. Let's just take a moment right where you're at. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. We got the spiritual music going. 
we're able to focus. But I just want you to ask, I want to ask you to take a moment with the Holy Spirit and ask, is there anything in your life that's taken that place of lordship? Is there any bit of your identity that hasn't come under the rule of Christ? What's that thing when you look in the mirror every day where you're like, because I have this or if I had this, I'd be okay with myself. Now that you've identified that, whatever it is, I want, I want to encourage you to just take a moment and say, it's not that I have this or that I look like this. I am secure because of what Christ has done for me. Take a moment and rest in that. Okay. Let's just take another moment of reflection. And I want you to ask yourself, is there anywhere where you're just desperately lacking compassion? Maybe a group of people who frustrate you. Maybe socially, politically people at work. What about somebody that you need to show kindness to? A place you need to be more humble, more gentle, maybe with your kids, your spouse, your parents, more patient. Here's a big one. Anyone you need to forgive. Someone who's hurt you, wronged you. So let's just take a moment in God's presence and confess these things to him. Let those things come to mind. Come Holy Spirit. We're bringing you these things. We're asking you that as we're honest with you about them, God, that you'd begin to sh change our hearts. God, give us a heart of compassion, kindness, gentleness, forgiveness. We lift these things before you right now. In Jesus' name. As we prepare for communion, um, I wanna give you a moment where if you're in here and as you're going through it, you're like, there's a lot of things <laughs> in my life that have not come under the Lordship of Jesus. And maybe you've never thought about it like this. And you wanna take a moment before we take communion and you just wanna come under the Lordship of Jesus and say, Jesus, what you say about me is the truest thing. I wanna receive a secure love that's not based on shifting shadows or the winds of time, but is based on an immovable God. And you just hold your hands out in front of you, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. I just wanna pray this over you. You can agree with me in prayer, Jesus, Thank you that you came for me, that you saw me right where I'm at. 
You came and you took the punishment I deserved. You died alone in darkness so that I wouldn't have to live in the darkness of my shame. Liberate me. I thank you for the, your gift of grace and I receive it right now. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review. Things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.